Hey, I got a new podcast coming. It's called Theory. Don't you know? This is Theo Rossi. Our world is changing. For many of us, it'll never feel the same. The important thing to remember is that we are all in this together. And that's some of what I want to talk about on my new show, Theory. We're going to discuss the things that no one ever does. The real talk, the sacrifice, and the struggle that everyone goes through. My life has kind of put me in a unique position to see things honestly. This is Theo Rossi, and my new show, Theory, launches on April 8th, officially on Spotify, Podcast One, and Apple Podcasts. We're a day late, but we're persevering nonetheless. Uh, it is the April 10th PFF forecast. Uh, we've got some fun stuff today. We've got Timo Riske coming on, better known as Moo. Kev is going to join us uh, after that. We're going to talk about the Phil O'Brien trade. Uh, we're going to talk about how you're surviving because there's a hell of a story behind that. Uh, so it should be a fun one. We'll make up for the lost time. Uh, let's rock. All right, we have to start with this. You are not at home. You are in a foreign land. Just give me like the past 24 hours, a recap um, for everyone that's listening. Yeah, I was in the middle of prepping for college football. Uh, What what day was that? Wednesday night. And a big storm hit uh, to the point where my family and I had to spend a significant amount of time in the basement. Um, Power went out, which it's gone out before. Uh, power company says we'll have power by 5 a.m. the next day. We don't. Um, and by the time I got an update, uh, when we get power again, it was like four o'clock yesterday, uh, p.m. And it said basically midnight today, uh, would be when I got it back, which sure, of course, I mean, this is probably points to my privilege, but like I was, I've been basically handling the pandemic fairly well until the point where I could not work or I could not like even just use a computer. Um, and so I was just like, forget this. I drove over to McDonald's, used their Wi-Fi, <laughs> booked an Airbnb in Covington, Kentucky. I didn't even know. So I figured Kentucky being like not progressive at all was still like allowing, allowing people, you, yeah. allowing people to do Airbnbs. I would have gone with Mike Pence's Indiana second if I, if in a pinch, if I would have had to. Um, so then, yeah. So coming to this literally like just right across the, the, the thing, the bridge from uh, where you live basically. Yep. And, uh, and we got a nice little apartment here. The girls think we're on vacation. Um, and the, 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 the to, to big clean it all out at 7 PM last night, we got power back, which, Oh, so my, my family actually is going home and check the house and stuff. But like, so we got this place. I booked it for like three nights because I'm like, you know, there's no freaking way. Right. I'm driving back to my house and then like still not getting to do anything. Uh, so yeah, man, it, it's, uh, you know, all the, all the uh, ma- money I made on the stock market the last three weeks, I basically just, just plunged right back into this, uh, this nice person's Airbnb, which I guess given how much they've taken a crap over the last like month, uh, maybe stoked. it's probably, maybe it's probably for the best. Yeah, I was shocked when you first off. I was I, like, part of me had to laugh when you're like, "I'm go, I'm in a McDonald's apartment right now," because the dedication was tremendous, but also like I would not be handling that well. And then I was shocked. I was honestly surprised that there were Airbnbs available. Like I, I, I even looked. I went and looked up like hotel rooms last night in DC. And there are some, I mean, they're dirt cheap, but there are some, and that surprised me. So um, I appreciate the grit that you're showing. You'd be rising up my, my draft board, honestly, right now, because well, I'd of win the a staring contest with, with Pete Carroll. That's for sure. Um, I, I think yesterday, the only thing I could, cause like you can't even plug in your phone. So I like drove basically to Dayton and back to p- charge my phone and like take a call from Pittsburgh for oh. like a radio station. Uh, yeah, yesterday was trying, but uh, we will persevere. Luckily, we got all the draft sim stuff done a couple days earlier. So, you know, we didn't have, you know, it, it could have been, a, as worse. with this entire thing, the timing was relative. Like, if you're going to get shit on, like, the timing was at least good. Um, but, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, it, it's a bad time. Quarantine is a bad time to have your power go out. Um, 
And by the way, that storm, I think, is here right now. There's like some 50-mile-an-hour winds going on outside. So hopefully we make it through this podcast live. So Brandon Cooks gets traded. Um, We kind of expect – I felt like there was a lot of momentum towards him getting traded. And if you were like, okay, what are some teams that are out there that maybe have some – some capital that that would want to spend it that could you know use a another wide receiver i don't know how far up bill o'brien and the texans would have been on your list i don't think i would have i probably should have put them higher given what they've done in the past but it it surprised me quite a bit like you ship out deandre hopkins and then you all of a sudden kind of pay you know you pay a, a premium for a guy that's a way worse receiver is there any like, are you, were you as shocked as I was? Like, this makes no sense to me. Uh, no. Well, okay. So I, and I wrote it, I think it's going up on the site relatively soon, but I wrote a response to this. I think the tricky one is when you look, so obviously DeAndre Hopkins is the big deal in that offense last season. But if you look at, if you look at Will Fuller and, you know, basically the Texans on and off splits with him, uh, all noise, uh, acknowledged and understood in those things but it, it's not that implausible that Bill O'Brien looked at that and said look this offense actually goes as our deep threat goes and Fuller's missed 22 games the last four years now Cooks has missed as many games but you know he might be thinking okay if we could cobble together two of these guys that can run those deep patterns uh you know I just spent a bunch of money on Randall Cobb the tight ends you know uh, Watson does a pretty good job with the tight ends maybe they think they can build that receiving core in the aggregate. But to me, it doesn't make a ton of sense because Cooks and Fuller and kind of Kenny Stills kind of do the same thing. And so that offense is going to be, I feel like, redundant and going to miss Hopkins, I think, more than the sum of his replacement parts. Yeah, and that's the thing. If if you go, hey, instead of DeAndre Hopkins, you can have have Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb. You can pay them. A little bit more, honestly, because I mean, if you give if you give DeAndre Hopkins the money he was asking for, say you pay him twenty million a year, which I would have paid him twenty million a year, um, would you rather have DeAndre Hopkins or those two? Like, it's not close to me. And and Brandon Cooks has been, in my opinion, overhyped since the moment he got into the league, right? And a large part of it, I think, was because of fantasy, right? He goes to the Saints, and it's like, okay, with Drew Brees this guy is going to light on fire. And I remember very vividly my fantasy auction draft where people are just like his price is going through the roof. And ever since then, it's been, I think he's been a little overvalued. Not that he isn't good, but like over the past four seasons, he's the 25th highest rated wide receiver, PFF graded wide receiver. John Hopkins is number three. Like there is, it's not like there's a tier between them. There's an ocean between the two guys. And you mentioned they're going to miss DeAndre Hopkins, they're going to miss him a lot, especially because he played all the time. Like, like the whole Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller thing is cute, but both those guys are going to miss time. Like that is that should be something that's taken in consideration too. Here, I think, is that Brandon Cooks is not a he's not sturdy. Will Fuller is not sturdy. Like you could very well be going into games with okay, it's Randall Cobb and Kenny Stills, in which case you should be terrified. Yeah, well, and that's and that's I think I, the the issue is, is I I feel like you know O'Brien right now is in a position of power and in a and position people in positions of power like folks who they can control and they'll often sacrifice talent or uh, you know quality for the control that they can get and you look at all the players that O'Brien has at the receiving core right now they're damaged enough where i think he has a decent amount of power over them <laughs> randall cobb uh again that's you, such a bad way to put it i mean right? good way good way but like you know that's not what you want to hear if my if you go yeah the the goods on my team are so damaged that at least you know they don't have the self-esteem to overcome my power right i mean but that's that's exactly i think what's going on here and um, unfortunately what that means for Watson, you know, as this is his last year before the, the fifth year option, um, you know, the, the, the hard part about this is that they they very well could be good. I know we made fun of Jim Nagy for basically saying, you know, when they win the Super Bowl, you know, what is Twitter going to do? But, you know, Watson's dealt with a lot worse at times, right? 
And I just, True. you know, there's a, you know, people in the AFC South, like making fun of Bill O'Brien, but you know, you need to actually win a division one time before you can make fun of the Texans because they've won the division all but one season that O'Brien's been the coach. So, um, well, that's here's what's, uh, and I'm curious your thoughts here because I think people see this move and go, okay, this is a move to appease Deshaun Watson a little bit to be like, Hey, we're investing in you. We got you another receiver. Like, don't worry. If I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm sitting there, I'm going, why would I stay with this team? Like, he's not making a decision just based on next year. He's making a decision next year for the future. And this move doesn't help them for the future. Like, when Deshaun Watson decides to sign that contract next, next season, or you know, like, that would be a lot of it without Brandon Cooks anyways. And Brandon Cooks is not, like... It, why would you not go out and sign one of these receivers that's on the free agent market for far, far cheaper, keep the second round pick and draft a wide receiver in the second round in one of the deepest classes that we've ever seen that can maybe be on the team when Deshaun Watson is playing at age 30. Like to me, this was incongruent with what you're actually trying to do. If you're trying to keep Deshaun Watson, I think many will view this as it makes Deshaun Watson's chances of staying in Houston higher I think it lowers them. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, somebody as I think good as Deshaun Watson isn't stupid enough to think that this is worthy. You know, it's sort of, uh, you know, it's sort of like when you buy, you know, uh, you know, cheap flowers for a girl, right? Like she, she can see right through that. Nonsense, <laughs> you ever done that? Right. Uh, I, I wouldn't know uh, experience. I only go top shelf, but the, the, <laughs> It, it it's yeah i mean he's just he's he's looking at this entire thing and he's like okay well when i prove the league when i prove everybody wrong and dominate the league um you know for the next 2 years and then i get a franchise tag and then i get another franchise tag and then i break the bank then you know who's going to be laughing now but there's no way he looks at this entire thing and says i want to be in houston for the long haul i mean they don't have any their, their defense is garbage, and they don't have any there, way, no way of, of rep, re, replenishing it. They lost. They even lost their probably one of their best defensive players this year in DJ Reader. Uh, their secondary is old and bad, and you know, or or ba- just old or bad, depending upon which player you're talking about. And it, <laughs> it's and it's not going to get any easier. Last year they got lucky because Jacoby Brissett played in the division, Gardner Minshew played in the division, uh, and uh, I believe they got. Mariota uh, yeah. at least once um uh no the, no they the the one game didn't even count right the the week 17 game they didn't play their starters uh so it to me like the division gets harder the defense gets a little bit more exposed the AFC is even deeper now you have a first place schedule so you got to play Kansas City again and you know and it's it's just not a good look for the Houston Texans right now I'm just trying to figure out where Deshaun Watson goes now I have a I have an interesting one. What if the Chargers like can't figure it out, and he ends up in LA at some point? Um, alrighty, we are going to maybe we'll talk about this a little bit um, with Timo. We're gonna bring on PFF Moo. Um, Got to be like a top five nickname, I, I think. Um, honestly, he's joining us uh, from Germany. So my first question is, how is quarantine? in uh, a totally different country what's it like um i guess it's just like in the u.s so um, <laughs> are I mean, you sure <laughs> i think so so it's i mean it's not really quarantine here so we can go out uh, just not meet other people um yeah we we have and at least uh you know i'm on in dc and like if there's a sh- shred of sunshine the streets are filled like with people walking around there's not a lot of people driving anywhere but like immediately people go out and they're all walking their dog and occasionally you see a person who like scoots out of the way to make sure there's like six feet of distance between but that's really few and far between i don't know if that's the scene in covington eric or the scene in in, uh germany but that's what i'm experiencing here the i i've been I basically take into every time I do like a radio hit or something like that, I basically walk like I, you know, just to get exercise. And the 
the amount of times I've had to like look across, like walk in the middle of the street instead of the sidewalk because I want to keep six feet from the, you know, the person that's walking by me. And I look at them and say, Hey, I don't think you're abhorrent. I just don't want to touch you at all. Uh, it is uh, sort of uh, been the awkward Midwestern like theme of my quarantine. So far. you're just doing what I do with every uh, smoker that I come across, <laughs> come across on yeah. the sidewalk. Um, all right. Uh, Timo, I, I have to ask, uh, you know, just real quick, your first blush thoughts when you, when you woke up, I guess you would have woken up this morning and seen Bill O'Brien made a trade. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, uh, I, I've, I've seen it um, yesterday. Uh, you were still late. Evening. That was late. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was like 1, 1 a.m. here, but, but I, I was still awake. Um. I mean, I think it it wasn't his worst trade this off season, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, but but I, I I don't I don't really I don't really like it because um, I mean I I don't see the value to have like three wide receivers um, on the roster, and none of none of those is um, really a wide receiver run. So neither Stills nor Fuller nor nor Cooks uh, I will. Um, uh, we'll, another run receivers, I guess. So, so that they they need to find another weapon anyway uh, within the next um, year or so. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure what they are planning to do with their wide receiver group. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's sort of what we talked about too. Not only from quality perspective, but as and I put one of uh, you know the in the article today, I put one of your um, heat map things in there. It's like not only from a quality perspective, but also a style perspective, right? I mean, stills yeah. cooks and uh, you know, uh, and uh, Will Fuller all kind of do the same thing. <clears throat> and I know that, you know, they've done a decent job, you know, with, with uh, you know, throwing the ball to backs and, and tight ends in Houston, but uh, <laughs> to, to look at that offense and to not say that Hopkins is the, was the straw that stirred the drink, I think is a little bit short-sighted. Yeah, I mean, and Deshaun Watson struggles to to get the ball out um, in time anyway, so he has very high sack rate. And I mean, I, I'm not sure if it helps to have three guys who who like to run deep and that they, they don't have a possession a possession receiver. So uh, I'm um, sorry, R- Randall Cobb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe. I mean, the, the, the thing is, people throw out that like he's still relatively young. But the fact that you have to remind people that he's young, given that he plays like he's super old is not a good thing. Like, that's not a bonus. That's a bad thing. Um, okay. Uh, I want to make sure we have some time to talk about uh, the mock draft simulator because you can go check it out. It's pff.com slash draft slash NFL dash mock dash draft dash simulator. You got Just go all to that? Uh, you'll see it there. Uh, it's a ton of fun. You built uh, this thing in, I would say, like, 10-ish days and um i i don't i don't know what your biggest what did you learn most i guess in taking on something that's kind of tricky there's a lot of moving parts to it um you obviously have done a ton of sims yourself uh so what what did you learn from this whole process i mean i think just the um the the draft mechanics so implementing the the draft mechanics was like the the hardest thing to do. So the, the math is not that hard, um, I guess. So this was pretty straightforward, I think. But um, yeah, like like coding the the draft mechanics so so that that it works and the user can can make his picks and and offer trades and stuff like this. So um, yeah, I I didn't really um, have uh, much experience experience with this because obviously I'm a math guy, not a um, not a programmer. So um, yeah. So I, I learned a lot about uh, about the shiny apps. <laughs> it didn't we all? We're still learning. Yeah, now, we're still learning. That's the funny thing. So, I mean, uh, you know, on Wednesday we roll it out and uh, a ton of people go to the site and it just explodes everything. And yeah. we're sitting there like, what? Like, what's going on? We were like, you know, we paid for this shiny server and, you know, by all accounts, they, they are really, um, you know, they're a really good, set of people and they have a really good um set of options for you and we're like trying to figure this out because we just want to be able to play with it honestly because it's a lot of fun yeah and i i think what what's what's fun about this um 
obviously is sort of, you know, it's, it's so refreshing to have, you know, uh, more of us, right. Because now, you know, as George said, you know, we, we used to, when, when it was just the two of us or just a couple of, you know, it was one of those where we were so many things that we would like to have done. Uh, and now that we have, you know, you and Kevin and, and, and some folks, you know, helping us out, it's like, we can snap our fingers and in 10 days, this thing comes up and it's something where, I mean, I can't tell you how many people have come to me and said, this is the best thing, you know, that, that during the quarantine time that has taken up their, their sort of thought processes and, and past time, which is exactly, I think what we intended to do as well as, you know, sort of show off some of our, um, you know, the, the things that we can do that other people can't do, which is sort of project players from college to pro and, and sort of understand positional value and everything. Uh, it really was a cool like collection of, of, you know, things. And, and obviously most impressive part was how fast it got done. Timo, how many mock drafts have you done with the box? Um, a lot. So, but basically every time I, I tested a new feature or so I've used the box and, um, <laughs> Yeah, so drafted a lot of lot of safeties for them, a lot of wide receivers, because I think that's the the, the positions they have to uh, have to strengthen for for next year. So I'm get so was Grant Delpit the guy that you were looking at from a safety perspective, and how like how often were what percentage of the time were you like okay, this is the situation that I want to end up in? Um, I mean. So um, when, when I use the, the 50-50 blend of PFF board and public board, which is like the standard setting, um, they are like almost always um, the, the two top safeties, which are probably the top safeties of the class, Xavier McKinney and, and Grant Talbot, are like always available. And um, um, yeah, using, our, uh, using Eric's um, college to pro projections, um, these are really, really good values at, at 14. And, and even if, if I trade it down a few spots, um, to 17 or 20 or even 23 um, um they, they were often um, one of them was often available so um yeah if, if the backs want to go this way um there seems to be um some value for them in the first round yeah but- in my opinion one of the coolest things that that you thought of doing which <clears throat> to me i think just simulates the the weirdness of the draft so i did a kansas city draft and i traded back from 32 and got to 46 and Justin Jefferson was there. And I thought to myself, you know, there, you know, the, the, the hard thing to do is to implement randomness without making it nihilistic. Right. And uh, I think that you did a great job of sort of building in something that kind of split the difference between, you know, sort of staying with the big board, but then also, um, you know, allowing for some of the randomness that we've seen, because we know that there's going to be a player a la DK Metcalf last season or Aaron Rodgers in 2015 or 2005, I'm sorry, that is going to fall. And if you're not able to sort of like simulate those fat tail events, then it's, it's, you're not doing as good of a job. And I thought that this, that, you know, you, you certainly overcame that. Yeah. I mean, it's especially, um, starting with the second round, starting with day two or even the third round. I mean, we, we don't know much. So it's, it's, it's really hard to like when, when the team um, sits at 45 and then they have to select a player. I mean, who, who of us can predict, um, um, which player they will select. Like it's, it's really hard and there are a lot of candidates. So, I mean, the, the probability is, is um, not really high, even for the highest candidate. So it maybe the highest candidate has maybe like probability of 15% to get picked. And then there are a ton of other candidates, like 15 or 20 more candidates who also might be picked um, realistically. And um, yeah, so, so player, even if a player is already the best candidate for this team, it can happen that he like drops like 10 or 15 spots um, more because he's only selected like 15% of the time, 20% of the time. And yeah, a lot of things can, can happen in the draft and a lot of things can also happen in the simulator. Well, and you bring up something so interesting. Um, I was talking, I was thinking about Isaiah Simmons, for example, and you, you, you really like, I don't think that the average person in the public understands the difference between plurality, like a favorite that's still not over 50%. And a favorite that is well, you know, so like Joe Burrow going to the Bengals is a, is a humongous favorite, right? You're talking about like minus 10,000 or like without whatever, like you're, you're, it's not smart to bet that. Um, But 
you know, I, Isaiah Simmons, for example, to go to the Giants, I think is plus 125. And he's the favorite, but it's still like there's a substantial number of things that can happen uh, far more than even, you know, 50 percent that that can happen other than that. And, and yeah. I think most people don't really think that way, uh, you know, as they go about their lives. No, I mean, there's no way people think that way. Just want, like, just turn on the news, and it's so obvious that people don't think that way. Um, the the way that we, so I think people, when you bring up the DK Metcalf example, will go, oh yeah, randoms, random shit happens all the time in the draft. But then when they're doing a draft and they see it happen, because it hasn't happened yet, they go, oh no, there's no way. You know, there's no way that um, you know Jerry Judy falls to like 22. Well, like, yeah, there's a way. There absolutely is a way. Is it not the most likely? Sure, but there's definitely a way. Just like there's definitely a way Derek Brown goes at number three. <laughs> like, those, yeah. those options are, are still possible. And, um, you know, doing uh, a bunch of I think it's much drafts, more likely he goes to 13, George, but alas. Stop. Please stop. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not ready for that, man. If, if the Niners take an interior lineman, at 13 I, i'm gonna they're I'm gonna d lineman away shit. george just oh, let God. it happen hey so uh does this look all right everything's kind of dark in here so it's just the way it is yeah uh cab give us like one minute okay all right i want to get you out of here on this so you are a noted bucks fan are you still riding with Jameis? i need to know uh, yes, yes, of course. I mean, <laughs> um, I, I will root for him um, wherever he lands. Um, I, I, I have no idea where he lands. Well, right now he's landing in a Maybe gym. the Patriots are just waiting um, for, for the for – <laughs> maybe they're just waiting for the compact formula to to um, to deactivate. I think some at some point in May the compact form, comp, compensation pick formula doesn't count anymore. So maybe they're, they're signing to a, to a very low contract. So I, I have no idea where he ends up, but um, – I hope he gets a real chance to um, to compete, and I think there are quite some quarterbacks out there, and he would beat out in a in a fair competition. Maybe yeah, five I... years from now, and you're still going to be both of you are still <laughs> going to be Jameis disciples, and he'll be in a random gym in in Florida dodging Dude, enormous weight balls. Can we, can we balls. pause for a second? I don't know how long Timo you've been watching the NFL, but the fact that Derek David Carr went after Jameis yeah. just offends. Every one of my sensibilities. And then these people citing like his like touchdown interception ratio, David Carr, ignoring the fact that he took ten, a sack on 10% of his dropbacks in the NFL, it was just like the cocktail that I needed yesterday. And I, I, yeah. I, that I was know. the cocktail you needed? I, I, I like really? I, my Jameis love had waned a little bit over the like just from fatigue over the past like month. It reemerged yesterday in defense of you know our guy. My God! All right. Well, you guys can spend the rest of your quarantine talking about that behind closed doors. Timo, uh, as usual, thanks for um, thanks for jumping on, and uh, thank you for creating something that I can now spend time doing uh, while I'm sitting at home. If you guys want to check it out. Go to pff.com. You can see the uh, mock draft simulator. It's somewhere on the page. You'll find it. Timo, okay. thanks, brother. Bye. Have fun with the simulator. <laughs> Bye. All right. We have, we're double dipping on the interview slate today. So um, joining us now, I, I, we're all in different locations. At least I'm not in Airbnb. At least my girlfriend hasn't started charging me rent yet. So uh, two gentlemen that are both in remote locations at the moment. Uh, Kev Cole, where you look like you're in a wood cabin of sorts, little house on the prairie-esque. Yeah, yeah. My my great-great-great-grandfather built this house, uh, <laughs> chopped the wood himself, put it all together. Um, no, actually, this is an Airbnb. I was in New York City. Uh, as everyone knows, it's kind of the, the epicenter of uh, the outbreak here. So uh, in a, in a talk about forecasting, I was forecasting a bad April and May. So, uh, we ended up getting out of there, uh, you know, right about the time, everything, everything was shutting down a couple of days after the go bear situation, all that stuff. And we've been here since, um, was right on the border of, uh, New York and Pennsylvania. Kentucky, Pennsylvania, DC, we're all over the place. Thank God we have the internet, man. Like we'd be so it's, it's actually kind of crazy. I think there has been one of the reasons that maybe 
some people are not taking everything as seriously as before is that you can do so many of the things that you want to do because of, you know, the technological advancements, right? Like people are having happy hours with long lost friends every night uh, because of Zoom, which is what we're on right now. And so I, maybe it denigrates some of the, the seriousness of the whole situation. Well, as somebody who didn't have electri- electricity yesterday, um, <laughs> I will tell you, though, that that goes away really fast. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, you, you start to feel it. Um, I do think it is like just like a product of our privilege to some degree, right? That like we can work remotely and our jobs, you know, as much as as much as I like, you know, I like going into the office. It is sometimes easier to work from home. And, you know, and I think, you know, I, I do think that you're right, though, for some people who are in more in positions of power that have more of a mouthpiece. Um, everybody's like, hey, it's just a vacation type of thing. And, and unfortunately, that's not really the reality. Yeah, no. It's not. It certainly is not. Um, Kev, I was going to ask, uh, I mean, I have to ask, you um, are minding your own business, lovely evening in rural Pennsylvania, and you see a tweet that says Bill O'Brien has traded. The first thing that goes through your mind is what? Uh, I guess who's the lucky counterparty there? <laughs> like, who, 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 who threw out, you know, enough trades? Kind of like in fantasy football, you just throw out these ridiculous trades and someone will eventually click on it. There's always one person in your fantasy football league, like the Mark. And I, you just know that certain guys are going to prey on them from week one uh, before the season starts every single week. And it seems like Bill O'Brien has become that guy. So, uh, you know, congratulations this time to the, the Los Angeles Rams who've had their own problems. Uh, leading up to this as far as uh, managing the cap and things like that. At least they were able to unload a contract, which they probably didn't want in the first place, although they're taking a huge cap hit this year. Yeah, I would, I would, the tweet that the, the Rams, you know, somebody's mark is everybody else's mark, I guess, like, cause the Rams were certainly taken uh, what by the, the Baltimore Ravens and the Marcus Peters trade uh, in many ways by the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Jalen Ramsey trade, but then turnabout, right. And they go ahead and, 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 uh, and uh get bill o'brien so um yeah man i i think you're absolutely right i think the league has sort of identified like it, it used to be this way in hockey quite a bit too where they're like just this pocket of gms that sort of just don't know what they're doing and then they just get bludgeoned every single time uh, and i don't know if houston is that bad um but certainly it, it's become one of those things where it's sort of like the old Washington Redskins of like the sixties and seventies where they literally never drafted in the first round for like a decade because they're just like, I, I prefer veterans. Like that's kind of how, uh, you know, it, it appears as though Bill O'Brien's operating currently. What this, what this highlighted for me was, cause you mentioned those two other trades that um, the Rams made, but also the signings, right? So they signed Todd Gurley. He's gone. They, they signed Brandon cooks, this big extension. He's now gone. And it's like, the Rams are trying to capitalize on this window that they had. It's like, well, we have like three years to try and win. And if you're too focused on that, you do things that are just really stupid and you don't realize how quickly two years down the road shows up. And you almost always want to have the position of I'm trying to win in the future. Now it doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, you're going all out and tanking, but I think that helps you make more shrewd decisions and not because you just there's so much variance that if you are are trying to go all in on one or two seasons and things don't go right for you, then you just walk away totally empty handed. Like that's where the Rams are right now. Like there's a legitimate shot. The Rams are the worst team uh, in their division, you know, in, in five months. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I used to harp on the uh, the rookie quarterback window type of thing. And I think we've seen it now with the Bears, the Rams, and to a lesser extent, although I think it's there with the Eagles, where they've done a lot of stuff to up, you know, up front, up, put stuff, load up right at the very beginning. And now if you look at that Rams team, like the Rams team that went to the Super Bowl, it was just impossible for them to ever have a better team at that in the salary cap going forward. I think it's somewhat true of the Eagles, where they've been delaying a lot of stuff going forward, somewhat true of the Bears. The question is, you know, is it worth it? Like for the Rams, was it worth it to go to that one Super Bowl um, if it's going to take a, a secondary rebuild, which we've seen with a lot of teams, I mean, even saw it to a degree with the Seahawks, but because they have such a great quarterback, they're able to kind of run through that secondary rebuild and still be able to be able to get into the playoffs. Well, the, I think the thing is, it's like, when you look at, 
you know, what, what is, um, what is power? What is intel like power? And in, it's, it's the ability to have multiple outs, isn't it? And some of these teams just simply have sacrificed power for short-term gain. And, and unfortunately, I think the answer to your question, Kevin, is no, it wasn't worth it to go to that Super Bowl, uh, you know, because it, they're not going to sniff it again for a long time. And, you know, we're having the same discussion with, you know, uh, you know, Chris Jones in Kansas City, right? Like, sure, you can make it work. And, you know, people who say, okay, the cap is fake, like, sure, you can make any single deal in the NFL work, but you give yourself so much less power and so much less flexibility in the future um, if you don't think about, as George said, sort of the the future and, you know, what gives you the most flexibility moving forward. Um, and some of those decisions are hard, right? Like you don't like Jared Goff takes you to the Super Bowl. You don't want to reward him by trading him to the Jaguars, but th- that probably would have been the smartest thing to do. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned Chris Jones, because I think the Chiefs are a great example of a kind of sliding door sort of situation. So let's say they, they lost the Super Bowl. Would they have re-signed Sammy Watkins? Would they have brought back, would they bring back Chris Jones? I mean, probably not, I don't think, to either one of those questions. And it just, it doesn't really make sense to me that one or two games, one or two outcomes, one or two drives can really determine whether you're going to take this mindset of, you know what, we're just going to run it back. We won the Super Bowl, so we're going to run it back. And I think that that can also be a mistake for teams. You should always be looking to maximize your, your flexibility and your different outs, like George was saying, going forward. Well, and I think that the... I think that what Kansas City is doing is actually like almost all of the deals that they've made are one-year deals, except for what their fans want, which is Chris Jones on a long-term deal, right? Yeah. And and you know that's that's I think the issue with you when you sort of look at um, you know the the commitments that the Rams have made, um, the commitments that you know Houston's going to make. I mean uh, that not all their players are on long-term deals, but that when you trade draft picks for veteran players you're in some sense signing them to a long-term deal because you're giving up future assets for them um and and to me like that's where the the you know that's where it's sort of foolhardy well the funny thing i'm trying to think of a good analogy for this and it's like it's almost like superstition when you have you know you're lucky this or you're lucky that and it's like i tie some success to wearing this shirt and so now I just, I have to, you know, I have to keep this stupid shirt and wear it underneath my jersey every time I play in a game or, you know, go on a date or whatever it is, like hoping that that, you know, that sentimental value that I've tied to it has real value. And obviously it doesn't. Um, but the problem and the difference here for the Chiefs, for example, is like they actually have to pay for it. Like most times people don't realize, I think, the ramifications of thinking that way because it doesn't cost them, you know, real money. But here in this situation, it will. And if you're looking five years down the road and you have this enormous Chris Jones contract and you're not able to put real valuable pieces around Patrick Mahomes, you are wasting the most valuable asset in the NFL. And that's what you can't afford to do. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the guy that you can say on that second contract, no matter how much it'll be, and it's not going to be $50 million a year or whatever people are saying, like, you know, whatever, he'll get, you know, 5 million more a year or something like that than what the biggest contract is now. But you can still win with him on that contract. He is that type of quarterback. So you should be thinking about that, not thinking about we need to win next year because of this window sort of thing. It's going to be a long timeline for the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. But GMs have difficulty, and obviously coaches have difficulty thinking out five, ten years what's best for the team. Well, it's sort of like, you know, if you're thinking about like investing as a person, right? Like your biggest investment for many people is going to be like your house, right? And as long as that house is good, that's fine, right? There are some people that you know buy into crappy houses with more, you know. But then after that, you know, so Nick, take the take the Chiefs or even a team like Seattle or a team a team with a bona fide pay them anything type of quarterback. The last thing you want to do after that is to consolidate risk other places, right? What you want to do is distribute that out. So it'd be like buying a house and then taking the remaining amount of money that you have and putting it on like two or three stocks. Uh, and whereas you know the probably the smart move for the majority of people is to buy the house and then put your money in sort of a diversified fund and. and that's the that's the hard part about that people get as you guys talked about sentimental about these players when we've talked about for a long time that you're not building you're not you're not 
buying all pros. You're trying to buy wins. And aside from the quarterback, who's almost completely correlated with winning, uh, the rest of the positions don't afford you that. Well, it's interesting. Think about two years prior when, you know, D Ford and Justin Houston are a part of a team, a defense that gets shredded by Brady, right? Yeah. Both of those guys are gone. They win the Super Bowl that year. Like, are we in a situation where both those guys are still on the team? It's kind of crazy to think about. Um, I, I do want to uh, kind of change topics a little bit to this. And um, we have all had, you know, now like what, three weeks of, of time at home. We have much more time on our hands. And you know, we each consume a ton of sports media and listen to a bunch of different podcasts and all of these things. And I'm curious, has this time, you know, what are, how has it made you think the way that we're going to listen to and consume sports? Is it changing? You know, are we going to be more, um, you know, are we going to be consuming way more podcasts? Are we going to be consuming way more of these kind of shows that people are are putting out there on social media, right? As opposed to like the TV thing, because right now I'm not sure a whole lot of people are watching TV. Kev, start with you. Like, how is that? How has this three week period changed your opinion of things? Yeah, it's interesting. I, mean, I think people are in, are in different situations. I mean, if you don't have kids, I think it's quite a bit of a different situation. Um, I mean, I have a couple of younger kids who would be in preschool and school from eight to six. And now that that doesn't exist anymore. Um, and my wife works also. So for, for that, it's it's a little bit challenging. I mean, I am consuming more podcasts. I think the question would be, a lot of these sports leagues are thinking to themselves that there's an upside if they can come back early, let's say like the NBA or the MLB, because everyone will be sitting around uh, really desperate for content. I don't know if I, that's the case. Like, I'm not sure I would watch a Major League Baseball game, even if it was on. I think I enjoy more uh, kind of diversifying some of my interests during this time. And that's what I've, what I've found and been able to do. I mean, personally, I am listening to more podcasts, but I was kind of a super user of podcasts before. So it's really just leaning more heavily on what I was doing already. Yeah, I think people, so it's sort of myopic for me to say, you know, people want to, you know, bet on things, play fantasy football, all that kind of stuff. Um, I do think that there would be, there's going to be an appetite for live sports as soon as it happens. But I also think that we, as, as a society have decent tastes when it comes to sports. Um, So if they play terrible baseball, you know, in, in the, you know, Cactus League Park, you know, back to back to back every single day from, you know, July 1 to October 1. Like, I don't think that that's going to be all that positive for the league. Um, People already don't watch baseball that much on TV relative to other sports. Um, So I'm, I'm with Kevin. I think that, you know, it's probably best to say, okay, what is the minimal quality unit and when can that happen? And if that's NFL on September 1st, that's probably the best course to take. I know that sucks for people who, you know, like the NBA or had futures tickets on, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks or whatever. But like, I don't know, is that I mean, because I, I don't think people in the middle of the summer are going to have a huge appetite for 50% of what baseball already is. Well, here's here's the question that I have. It's like, okay, say you've got some sports coming back and say they are not, you know, what they used to be. Does now the burden get put back on the people creating the content and where it's like now my threshold for what I need to hear from an analysis perspective has changed and I'm expecting to hear a more nuanced angle on how I could bet on something or I've now, you know, read a bunch of stuff and the, the analytical and mathematical appetite for people out there is higher so they're expecting to hear that in more of the mainstream conversations that they have i wonder if that could be an impact right if it's like okay we've had all this time to sit there and digest a bunch of stuff we realize a lot of it is crap and now that i get to watch this sport again it's okay but your analysis better be awesome or else i'm going somewhere else yeah, I think I think that's a fairly uh, smart thing, and and the and what's cool is that this is kind of the great equalizer. I thought I I've mentioned this to you a number of times. You know, folks from a position of privilege are going to see the, a decrease in their quality far more than people who aren't, and so it might boil down more to the quality of the content rather than the size of the platform. Um, so, 
you know, uh, I, I think that's fair. Um, that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, if they go straight to the NBA playoffs, I think there has to be stakes involved for people to be interested. So I think that can be interesting, and that'll probably be a big success. Yeah, it just I just don't know how they're going to end up doing it. I think NBA and MLB and other stuff where it's in season, it's just dead. I mean, I think we're, we're, we're also very lucky to be involved in football where the schedule essentially hasn't changed. And the offseason is a, is a great time. You know, everyone's hopeful during the, during the offseason for football fans. So it's not quite the same thing, I think, as when it's, 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 it's killed during the regular season. So I think the appetite, if anything, is probably even stronger for football content right now uh, because that's the one thing that's on schedule. So we're lucky there. Yeah, it, it's going to, I think, to a certain extent, force all of us, because even for football, right, like two months from now, we're pro- we may still not know a lot. And we're going to have to, I think, broaden our horizons a little bit. We're going to, like – if you put out a piece of content, if you have a podcast, for example, um, you can't just sit there and be kind of the same you were before. Like, I think things are going to, you're going to have to progress. And this is true all the time, but I think it'll be accelerated now where if there is an interesting story and it's more related to fantasy football, for example, or more related to a gambling aspect, or you're a fantasy podcast and it's more related to just general NFL, you kind of have to tackle that, don't you? Or else you're completely irrelevant. Yeah. Well, and you have to be able to think about football. I mean, in some sense, you're the product at this point, right? I mean, and if you can't think about football differently than every single Joe Schmo cover a game, write a brief on it, then you're, as you said, like in a time when things are uncertain and it's not even clear we're going to have games, uh, you might be irrelevant relatively quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think, you, you know, new perspective, it also going to open up some, some avenues for new perspectives. And that kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about maybe a more analytical way of looking at things, a different way of looking at things. People want, you know, they want debates. It's opened up some of that. So I think there are some avenues there um, and kind of progress and become even bigger part of the conversation for the type of work that we're doing. Because I, so here, you know, I think about what I wa- used to watch, used to watch before quarantine happened, like while I was getting ready for work, for example. And I think about Get Up, you know, on ESPN. And it always felt there like they had to segment the people that were going to talk maybe with a mathematical viewpoint and the people that were going to talk about it from a, oh, I played the game viewpoint. And there was no common ground. Like there was no way that they could bring a conversation together between the two. And I wonder if that's something that comes out of this where there's been time for people to you know, assimilate a little bit more, you have more time to digest things. And maybe we see more of that. Like, I, I, you know, if I think about where we are in a couple of months, you know, wouldn't that be cool if we can bridge that gap more? Because right now, I still think there's so much segmentation between the two that like football conversations by and large are still totally segmented, right? Like there's the main group of football fans that listen to former players. And then there's people in the analytics community that are like, okay, well, all that's baloney. I'm only going to listen to the math. Like there should be a coming together of those at some point. Maybe this is the catalyst that makes it happen. I mean, we'll see. That, that's been my hope for a long time is that the biggest value that uh, people with our perspectives can have. I mean, you can have a, you know, a great show like this where you're exchanging ideas. And I think that you can really get through a lot that way, but also being able to provide some perspective in another context with, with other people. I mean, you know, as of right now, I mean, I don't even watch the, the pregame, pregame shows and other things because I don't really need, you know, four different former players or coaches to tell me why establishing the run is going to be the key to, to this particular game. It would be nice to bring in some more perspective and hopefully in that sort of setting, People can have discussions where there's a willingness to listen a little bit more also than there is, you know, when Bucky Brooks sends out a tweet about running backs and then we, everyone quote tweets them and slams them. And then it goes back and forth where really nothing is accomplished there. (laughs) It's all Twitter's fault. (laughs) That's the (laughs) real, that's the real thing. We don't know how to communicate with anyone because all we do is send tweets back and forth. And, you know, honestly, I, we see this a lot. Um, you, when you communicate, whether even with text messages, but I think a lot with like, uh, you know, mobile instant messengers, it's really hard to communicate tone in a way that people don't take the wrong way, right? Like it's an art to be able to send a message that maybe is, you know, critiquing something that doesn't come off as like kind of being an asshole. And 
like maybe if we're just forced to have more conversations and there are more podcasts and more, you know, sports shows that are willing to take risks and make those conversations happen, we'll get to a place where overall that's better. Cause right now they're kind of worlds apart. Yeah. But I mean, it's just amounts to, I mean, we just have gotten so bad at being able to read rooms, right? Because we're not in rooms of people anymore. And, and, you know, that's why you get the, you know, and, and not to drag, but you, that's why you get the whole, you know, if you were smart, you would have known to go to the senior bowl, because if you, if you didn't, uh, you know, predict the fat tail pandemic, now you're stuck. And it's like, you know, just having people who are able to sort of understand, uh, you know, football and how it, you know, and how it merges with other things and stuff, I think will be extremely valuable, especially now when, you know, everybody talks about, you know, stick to sports. And I sort of, you know, I understand that, you know, being in your lane is a good thing, but all of these things are intertwined, right? If we don't, if we don't get the, you know, certain things in order, we won't have the things that we love like sports. Well, and also there's a difference between ignoring something that clearly is impacting everyone's lives and trying to be a leading scientist on it, right? Like there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, okay, I've made one graph in my life. Therefore, I'm going to take this, you know, COVID-19 data and I'm going to lecture to all of the world my findings. There's a difference between that and maybe what we've done on this podcast, which is like, hey, what, you know, how's your life going? Like, how's your work changed? You know, those things, which can be illuminating for people and and people want to hear too. Like um, they want to know what other people are dealing with. Um, but Kev, I want to, I asked Eric this question uh, a couple days ago, um, and I'm curious your thoughts. Is there something that, um, you know, what is the lasting impact? And it can be sports or non-sports related um, from the, the pandemic. Is there one? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think certain things will change, but I think we're probably overestimating how much things will change. I mean, once you have a vaccine, it's just going to take a while. Once you have a vaccine, once you have, you know, quote unquote, herd immunity, I don't know if things will change a whole lot. I think there's just, there's just going to be a big void. And it's really going to, I think if anything, it's really going to show this separation between um, different groups of people, those, you know, quote unquote, essential workers versus people like us who can just do things over, over the internet. So I think if anything, it just really uh, brings into focus the differences that there are that there are out there in, in everyone's situation and uh, hopefully figuring out a way to to help you know people who are in those situations where they have to travel and do things like that um, maybe there'll be more sympathy for, for those sorts of situations so I think that's a big thing but as far as interactions you know people saying you know the handshake's going to go away this is going to go away. I, I don't I don't see that happening no that would, that would just that would just kind of be irrational I'm, I'm here for the handshake going away <laughs> well, the maybe, handshake maybe you is so do antiquated that. maybe you want to do that anyway but I, I mean once we I get always go wash it. my hands after, I mean, when I shake someone's hand, I'm very cognizant of the fact that I should probably not touch anything with that hand and should wash my hands. Yeah. I mean, I, I it's weird to me, you know, when I watch something on TV and you just see people shaking hands, I have a, like a reaction to it, the kind of, Oh wow. Maybe it. you're even more intense than I am. Well, I'm saying now, right. I'm saying oh, now, oh, now I'm seeing it. It just, yeah. it just seems so out of place, even though it's, it's a movie, you know, a movie or something like that. It seems so out of place, but you know, if you if you look back to pictures back in the the 1918 pandemic, you know everyone had masks on. A lot of these things were happening. I think eventually life returns to normalcy. But if anything, it's kind of really shown how how big of a separation there are between, uh, you know, what would be what would have been like blue collar workers, although it's not really called that anymore now, and your and your people who can use telecommuting and things like that. Eric, any thoughts? Handshake going away, Stan. I don't know. I, what I think might end up happening is, is big events. So right now, you know, going to football games is pretty expensive depending upon where you go. Right. We mm-hmm. might see, uh, we might see a, a decrease in people who have means going to games. Right. And what you could see is maybe a, a more, you know, a, a, a more affordable event. Right. That might be something that you see from it, um, which means to the point that we've been talking about this entire time that, content outside of the game production you know at the game needs to increase in order for the product to continue to grow the way that it has Uh, that's interesting um i think there will be a couple of like six month impacts ultimately everyone's going to go back to doing the same stuff i see 
I don't know, though, because, right, so we talked about just briefly, like, the people who don't vaccinate their kids movement, right? Yeah. And that is, that took a long time to really sort of, like, get a foothold. I, I don't think in our lifetimes we'll, so there will be things that come from this that will still be relatively, um, you know, uh, explicit during our lifetimes, I think. Yeah, maybe. Although those people don't believe this whole thing. There was probably those people that are still thinking this is a hoax. So, it's early. You know, <laughs> um, we uh, Kev, we got Bill O'Brien who kind of changed the things we we're going to talk about. But I want to make sure people go check out the great work that you're doing on PFF.com. You wrote a bunch of really good articles looking at how fantasy uh, players can take advantage of the new projections we have on the site that Eric, you spent a lot of time uh, on over the past couple of weeks so go check those out um some receiver ones maybe you maybe you need to make a little brandon cooks update there i don't know um but uh go check out all that stuff anything else you got a plug that's uh coming down the pike kev yeah i mean i'm working on some some more fantasy stuff i think also we have these projections that i was doing when i was looking at um off-season improvement so different units we have projections for their war going forward so it's kind of more quantitative look it's basically i'm basically trying to take more of a quantitative look for a lot of the questions that people are asking whether it be you know where are the best landing spots for particular positions uh what are the team needs things like that and it, it can use to kind of buttress what people are doing when they're thinking of um you know in a non-analytical way we looking at these teams we can kind of come with some of these numbers and provide it, it identifies maybe quantitatively a little bit more the, the need than it would be um, on an opinion-based article. And it also could bring out some teams that you may not be thinking of, or you may have thought were strong, but the numbers aren't showing they are and, and can dig a little deeper on that. So I think that's what I'm going to be concentrating on, at least for the next week. And the improvement index that um, you built for free agency is still go check it out. Cause it's been updated with the Brandon cook stuff. It's awesome work. Kev, we love having you on. Stay, stay strong out there in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you know, I'm just out here hunting. Just, just hunting, next time, uh, next time I need trees, like uh, a carcass on the wall. Maybe I, I made like a Rocky, I don't know, was it Rocky 4 or Rocky 3 montage, like training montage. I could probably get one of those going pretty soon. So, yeah, I, I'm working. It's definitely better than New York City. So I'm, I'm glad to be out of there with a couple of young kids. Awesome, brother. Stay safe. Thanks for hopping right. on. Thanks, guys. All right. Big thanks to uh, Timo and Kev for hopping on. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk draft props. But uh, there's, there are a couple that I'm kind of intrigued by. So the first one is there's all this smoke about Justin Herbert getting picked above Tua. Um, I kind of want to buy into that and, and see Tua falling to being the third quarterback taken. Um, and you can get some pretty good odds on that. Like, what if he falls to six? <laughs> uh, but he could – I mean, that's the thing that I like in terms of – um, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, betting that like he could fall to six and still not get taken below Herbert. So there's a number of different ways that you could win that. And I think that that's probably, um, that's probably, you know, still, still plausible. So I got, I found it at plus 900. It's now plus 800 that the pick that two has taken is number six. And I don't know. I, I I just had this weird feeling that that things are going to be super weird in this draft. Like, you know, there's going to be guys on zoom, you know, there, there'll be someone that claims they tried to draft someone else to be like your fantasy league. I swear I pressed the button for this guy and I got this guy. Um, So that's one, that's one that I just recently took a look at. We talked about Henry Ruggs before that number was 15 and a half. It's now 13 and a half in most places. Right. So I'm assuming that you're not betting that anymore. No, I, I think, in fact, if you are like me and you have a decent amount on 15 and a half, you probably want to buy a little bit. It's 13 and a half back. The only thing that would keep me hesitant from doing that is that 13 is kind of a, a key number here, right? Because if, if Ruggs gets by San Francisco at 13, I think he falls further than 15, 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, at this point, you and we'll talk about Isaiah Simmons as well. At this point, if you have a, a decent number uh, on on rugs, you just hold on to it. The, the value's sort of gone. Okay, I've got another one for you. It's who will be the third pick, and Okuda is the favorite. We've talked about him. Everyone's mocking Okuda to the Lions. 
So the, the whole premise there is that, okay, it's Matt Patricia. He's a Bill Belichick disciple. He's going to do what Bill would do. What if Matt Patricia was banging the door for drafting a transcendent edge rusher his entire time in New England? And Bill kept saying, no, Matt, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're doing. It's all about coverage. So now he's got a chance, and Chase Young's there at three. He's taking Chase Young. Oh, yeah. I, I um, When I bet this, I've bet the two out of two and Young to three just because they're plus price, and yep. you could certainly see it happening. Uh, if a team trades up and takes a quarterback at two, then there's a, a really good chance. Uh, I think that whomever well, – and Detroit could trade the pick, uh, it, you know, and I think True. that that – you know, there's a number of different ways, unlike the Sim, unlike Isaiah Simmons to four to the Giants. There's a number of flexible things that can happen there that I think are plausible and why it's worth betting. So those are the two that I just recently bet. Are there any others that you that you like all of a sudden? Well, so I wrote on the site today that uh, you're looking at Isaiah Simmons. I have a number of a, mu- a bunch of Isaiah Simmons under six and a half. The issue is now it's all the way out to like minus one fifty, minus one sixty, as we talked about with with uh, Evan the other day. Um, I think there's a really good chance he goes to the Giants at four, and the Giants don't trade back, right? And so uh, mm-hmm. if they if he's their man, then he's the one that they that they're going to take there. Um, and, and I, I like that a lot. I, I think that there's a number of different props that where you can sort of not have to pay as big of a, a, as big of a price. So for example, to the giants is specifically 125. So you get a little bit of flexibility there and top five pick is actually minus 110 for Isaiah Simmons. I think all of those uh, are still uh, pretty good, pretty good bets to make. Here's here are a couple of, so I have one more real one um, that I, that I do kind of like, which is, who is the first offensive lineman taken? And Tristan Wirfs is the favorite now. And I, that's who I would take first as the first offensive tackle. I think that's who you would take. That's who our mock draft had going as the first offensive tackle. And for that reason, I think it's going to be Mekhi Becton. Um, and Mekhi Becton is like plus 250. So um, that's one – where I, I'm going to bet on things that I think are kind of stupid that I believe will happen because that seems to be something that usually has a high hit rate. Um, thoughts on that one real quick? Yeah, it's always tough to figure out which stupid thing will happen, though. That's part of the, the problem. Um, but, yeah, I, I can – I mean, I think Becton has a better – uh, you know, than one third chance uh, of, of being the first tackle taken and, and as such uh, probably is worth that bet. Okay, here's one that I found on Bet Online. Who will the number one overall pick hug first? Mom is the favorite. Dad is plus 250. Girlfriend is plus 300. Friend is plus 700. And sibling is plus 700. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think it's always mom, right? Okay, yes. But I need to know more about Joe Burrow's uh, relationship with his, his family members. And I think that his dad has been a pretty big outspoken proponent of, you know, how great his son has been. Um, I could be getting this wrong, but I remember some tweets going around. Like, I think his dad bet on him to win the Heisman last year. Um, so I like dad at plus 250. But here's the other thing. In this social distancing thing, what if he doesn't hug anybody? Yeah, that's a good. Um, what do you think? I don't. I don't. That's not even on is the there, board. Is there an other? See, I think the issue is is that at some point, if he ever hugs somebody again, yeah, that's, that's true. What, that's how it's graded. Uh, but um, I also like girlfriend because if you're doing, even if you are doing like moderate social distancing, maybe your parents are a little further away. You're not going to hug your parents because they're older, but you hug your girlfriend. Yeah, but here's here's my here's my pushback here. Joe is from what southeast Ohio? Yeah, kind of a poor poor neighborhood, kind of a you know, uh, and I think traditional values are a little bit kind of the overarching thing, right? And so, if anybody was to hug their mom first, I think it's got to be Joe. Yeah. Okay. All right, I can get with you on that one. There's also like how many uh, cats and dogs will be shown. Um, <laughs> and I, 
it, it's anyone like so this would theoretically be in in the players rooms right mm-hmm. like a cat or a dog i'm wondering if maybe a like a head coach would have a cat or a dog with them in their zoom room um but i just don't feel like anyone's gonna have like a pet in there maybe i'm an idiot but that's my thought yeah, I think like though everybody likes to be sort of like a normal person on these things, right? So like, sure. hey, look, I have a cat. Sort of makes these people look like a normal person. Say, hey, look, I have a cat. Is weird. I don't think so. I mean, I think people like I think people like other people sort of looking at them in a certain way. Okay, you know. All right. Those are my those are my funny ones. You got any others that you um, that you like that you want to talk about? Uh. No, uh, you know the the rugs one and the Simmons one are the are the two that I've I've sort of honed in on. It looks like the market has moved in the direction that I like. So I actually don't know if I'll probably if I'll bet any unless there's like significant information that doesn't get got you know doesn't uh, you know get its way to the books um, before draft day. You, know, you only have about two weeks left. Here, here's one more. It's interesting. High higher draft position: Justin Jefferson, Denzel Mims, Brandon Ayuk, and T Higgins. Now the top, the, the Brandon Ayuk is probably out of that, but Justin Jefferson is minus two fifty. Denzel Mims plus two fifty. T Higgins plus nine hundred. Yeah, I mean the plus the nine. The depending upon your risk threat, I mean the the Higgins one is the play yeah. because it's it's obviously there's far more than I think uh, the implied probability there that he'll uh, that he'll make it. That's one that I like. Um, okay. Uh, Anything that, I mean, we talked about your situation. I just want you to be well and get back to a place where you have some, some, uh, some electricity. Of normalcy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so stay well. We'll be, um, back on the pod on, on Monday. Uh, God willing, you know, what we should do on Monday. We talked about this. We should do like the five things, um, five most bored, crazy things that quarantine has made us do. Because I think okay. you'll, I think you'll have a good list. It'll it significantly mess with my sleeping patterns. Yeah. Yeah, I need to hear. I need to hear about your sleeping patterns. Um, I've been doing some weird exercises. It's a it's a weird world, man. Anyways, um, we'll be back with you on Monday. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you guys later. Stay safe.